Hello everyone and welcome once again to another episode of Selling Greenville. I am your host, as always, Stan McCune, realtor right here in Greenville, South Carolina. You can find all of my contact information in the show notes. And please give us a rating, a review, a subscription. Go ahead, subscribe. Uh, if you need to download as you're getting onto a plane, do all of that. Make sure that you are getting this podcast however you need to. By the way, we are on a lot of different podcast platforms, pretty much any platform uh, that you would use. If we're not on one that you use, uh, let me know because I would love to get it on there. There's no reason why I can't get it onto uh, other platforms that you guys are using. So just let me know if that's the case. Uh, but we're on a lot of other platforms. Just search for Selling Greenville and you should be able to find us if you don't like to, uh, to use the iTunes podcast player. Today we're going to be talking about how realtors kind of size up each other or, or how the dynamic goes from, from realtor to realtor. Because the way it works in this market is you have different real estate offices and those offices are run by a broker. And those brokers then have underneath them the realtors. Now, realtors are independent contractors. We're not uh, employees of uh, the real estate firm, or at least that's that's not normally the way it works. Usually, we're independent contractors for the broker that we work under, but we basically represent the broker. And so, this is why you know a dual agent situation in uh in Greenville or, or a what we would call in this area designated agency situation uh is when you have two realtors that are under the same broker um but you have all these different offices all these different brokers and then underneath them all these different realtors and so at the end of the day different offices get different repu uh, reputations among realtors and I'll be honest, when I get a text message from some real estate from from some realtors that are with certain real estate firms, um, I don't want to say I roll my eyes, but it's just kind of like, oh boy, what's going to happen now? Um, because there are those reputations, and I I really do try to keep an open mind. Um, at the end of the day, anything that my clients need to know, for instance, if an offer comes from a, a realtor or a firm that I've not had good experiences with, I'm always going to present that offer. That's my legal responsibility. That's my fiduciary responsibility to my seller clients. Um, if a home comes on the market that uh, is listed by a realtor or a firm that I've had bad experiences with, I'm still going to present that to my buyer client. So we need to parse here. And, and I'm not sure every realtor does that. I, I can't say that for sure, but they're supposed to do that. But we need to parse here right at the beginning what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that uh, I show or, or that it's widespread that there is partiality from one realtor to the next. But what I am going to say and, and the argument that I am going to make is that certain realtors, just based on their name, their presentation, etc., cetera, uh, and the firm that they're with, gives their clients a leg up versus others. And I, I think that that's pretty common sense, but I want to give an example from, from just recently uh, so that you guys fully understand what the dynamic is here and kind of pull back the curtain a little bit so you can see a little bit behind the scenes. So I had uh, some clients that were looking to buy a home, and uh, we were in a situation where 
they had a home sale contingency, a lot of uncertainty with that home sale contingency, but they really wanted to make an offer on a house that they really loved. And so I wrote up the offer the best I could, really uh, tried to paint the picture for the listing agent, um, who is another, I'm, I'm with uh, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, C. Dan Joyner Realtors. It was another agent, same firm as me, um, and, and one that I've worked with before and really tried to, to paint the picture for her of you know, why my clients were a strong client, despite the fact that they had to sell a home. In this market, which is a seller's market, needing to sell a home and having a home sale contingency, we've talked about this uh, in a recent episode as well, but that really puts you behind the eight ball. That makes it very difficult to buy a home. Um, that being said, um, we were making some traction, but we needed to narrow the price gap a little bit. My clients, you know, they they wanted to try to get the price as low as possible, obviously. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, it was a little bit too low for the sellers. So we were trying to narrow that gap a little bit. Well, guess what happened during the time that we attempted to narrow that gap? Uh, another, when you know, another offer came in. This always happens. Um, again, this is a difficult market if you're a buyer. Another offer came in, but we were in luck. We were in luck because this offer also had a home sale contingency. And so um, it, if they had not had a, another home sale contingency, I don't think I would be doing this episode. Um but, but they did. And here's the thing. I get a call at like 10 p.m. from the listing agent. And I see her number come up on my phone. And it's like, you know what? It's 10 o'clock p.m. I should be in bed probably right now. But I need to take this call. Um, and, I, you know, I've said before, I'm not one of those realtors that's like, you know what, at 6 o'clock, I'm shutting off my phone. I've got a work phone and a personal phone, and I'm not going to be taking any calls on my work phone. Man, there's a lot of realtors out there that they, they brag about that, which I think is kind of weird. Um, I, I don't do that if I, if I have an important call come in late at night, and I'm still awake and coherent. I'm going to take that call. So I take the call from this realtor. And she's like, listen, here's the situation. And um, the, the long story short was we had to nail down a couple of other terms. But she told me that, hey, your clients at the end of the day, um, where we are right now, you know, if they could come, on, come up on their price a little bit, that would be great. Because the offer that we currently have is, is significantly higher than, than their offer. Even if they come up to, you know, she gave me a number. You're like, even even if they came up to that, it still wouldn't be as high as what, what the current offer is. And and she clarified that her clients had given her permission to to reveal that information, which is, which is helpful. Um, but she said, even if you come up to that number, that, that won't exceed the, the other offer that we have. Um, but... As high as you can come up, the better, uh, because I would much rather work with you, and I and I know how you operate. We're in the same company. This I'm confident that this would be a smooth transaction versus this other agent, um, who is is with X Y Z firm. I won't say what what firm the other agent was with, um, and 
did not present the offer her offer very well. Actually, she just if you uh, if you're on Twitter or some of these other social media platforms, you maybe heard people talk about sliding into uh, sliding into someone's uh, DMs, and which is another way of saying like if it's someone that you don't know, this happens to women a lot in social media. Um, where a male that they don't know will just send them a random message that's called sliding into their DMs. Well, we have situation with where realtors will slide an offer into uh, your email box, and all of a sudden you open your email, you didn't get a text or a call or anything, and oh, there's an offer in there. And it's kind of nice, but it's also kind of weird. <laughs> As a realtor, uh, you should be getting notified if an offer is coming in your inbox. And so this agent had had done that, uh, and and the listing agent was like, you know, kind of off put by that, uh, by the lack of presentation, by some other unprofessional aspects of of that agent. And at the end of the day, um, she was like, "Hey, I would rather work with you guys." And so the long story short is, we were able to we were able to come up a little bit on the price, nail out some other terms and whatnot that they needed um, in order to work with us. And even though she revealed to me after the fact the other offer was still higher than what we ended up on. We got our, uh, I got my buyer client under contract for the house that they wanted uh, for a lower price than the other offer. And the agent was very candid with me. She was like, it was because of your presentation, your professionalism versus the other one. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, right? Obviously, this is a, this is a story that, uh, that, that makes me look good. Um, but this is my podcast, so you know I'm gonna tell whatever story that I want to tell. Um, but um, but the point being that uh, this is an important thing, realtor presentation. And as a uh, listing agent, I experience this when I'm selling a home as well. Um, when I'm assessing an offer, and, and and I think this is the case with any good realtor. There there is a human element to this, right? The offer comes in on paper. It's very black and white, but there's a human element. We're trying to assess more than just the black and white, just the paper. And I think that that's what why realtors have uh, still been successful even in this era with so much technology is because we can navigate some of the human aspects of a transaction. And um, one of the things that I'm assessing is not just the offer, the terms of the offer, the purchase price and whatnot, but the realtor that sent it. Again, I need to clarify just so that nobody freaks out. I will always present an offer and I'm not going to uh, focus on the realtor on the other side. If, if two offers, if, if there are two offers and one of them is just way better than the other, I might say to, to my seller client, hey, I got two offers. One of them is, is way better than the other and that would, uh, you know, that one is probably the one that we need to be focused on. But the agent with the other offer, I have a good relationship with them. You should just know that. But at the end of the day, you're probably, if we can't get either party to budge, you probably want to accept the higher offer, right? Because it's a, it's a significantly higher offer. But part of what we are assessing as well with an offer is, will this actually get to closing? It's not just the purchase price. It's no good, you know, if someone comes in and they, they offer you double what you've got it listed for, that doesn't matter if they don't get it to closing. And so um, a lot of seller clients will accept a lower offer 
if they are more assured that it will get to closing. And so those are the little nuances that we as realtors are uh, are trying to pick up when we're talking to other realtors in the marketplace. And this is where the the whole sliding an offer into your inbox, um, that's one of the worst things uh, for me as a listing agent. When that happens, it's like, really? Like you you didn't take the time to check check in with me to to see if we had other offers to to see you know what the situation was to inform me that you were sending me an offer in in the case of this other agent uh the listing agent for the house that, that my buyers got under contract for she said that there was even kind of an an aggressive expiration date on the offer so it was like she wasn't even told that she was receiving an offer uh she received it it came in at night and uh, the expiration was for like the next morning, like early in the morning. Um, and so that's that's not a very good way of presenting the offer. But you know, what? there are a lot of realtors out there that are doing that. I had a I had a realtor, uh, a buyer's agent, that um, came in uh, not too long ago and uh, put an offer on one of my listings, and just I, I could just tell right away this was going to be a difficult person to deal with. And at the end of the day, her offer was pretty strong. And I, you know, I was able to negotiate some back and forth. And my seller client did accept uh, a counter. We, after multiple rounds of countering, did come to an agreement, went under contract. But my gut the whole time was like, and I told him, I was just like, this realtor uh, is really... Uh, making me concerned because uh, she just doesn't really seem to know what's going on. She is acting like an inspector going around and and getting, you know, doing all these uh, different things that you would normally have an inspector do, even though she's not licensed to do that, um, and, and doesn't seem to really have an understanding of the contract language. Um, but... It was the only offer we had, and it was a it was a pretty strong offer. So we got it under contract, and then that buyer's agent literally derailed that transaction. Um, she ended up causing uh, on her own a lot of issues, and of course, I'm not going to say who it was, but she caused a whole lot of issues uh, that were unnecessary. Just sowed all these seeds of doubt. In her client's mind, I don't know if she was trying to, um, you know, if she was concerned for liability or if she was trying to protect them or whatever the case may be. Um, but I walked away from that thinking, I don't want to ever work uh, with this realtor again if I can avoid it. Um, because she, I mean, she caused a lot of issues for my client. She ended up at one point leaving the AC on like 50 in a vacant home and it ran for we didn't realize it for several weeks that it was just left on 50 degrees which is awful you know my client found out when he had a massive electric bill the next month um and so these uh these are the types of things that we have to deal with um and these are the things you know in hindsight um Maybe I should have, you know, been a little bit uh, firmer with my client of just being like, hey, listen, my gut 
is screaming right now, this is going to be a difficult transaction. I, in hindsight, um, I've talked to my client and he actually does wish that I had been a little bit more forthcoming on that. I just, we have to be careful, right? Because at the end of the day, um, it's not our job to judge other realtors. That's more of an anecdotal part of the part of the equation. Um, we, we do want to, at the end of the day, uh, focus on the contracts that we have and the offers that we have. And I've worked with a lot of bad realtors and we've been able to make it work. Um, it's more work for me, but that's what I get paid to do. Um, but there's another uh, way that, uh, you know, off the top of my head that, uh, that we're assessing these other realtors and, and assessing offers that they might bring and whatnot. And that's when you're actually looking at uh, at the, the paperwork, what we call the, the Form 310, SCR 310, the, the more or less standard contract that's used among realtors here uh, in the Greenville area. Um, there are all kinds of different fields and boxes that have to be filled out. And I can literally look at the offer, um, look at the paperwork that's sent to me, and know if that realtor uh, knows what he or she is doing or not. A lot of them, you can look at just the way they fill out the offer, that there are just little quirks here and there, things that are unconventional. We have, you know, very conventional ways, because it's a standardized form, there's very conventional ways of filling it out. You get a realtor that, uh, that fills some things out differently than the other 98% of realtors out there. It's probably because it's one of the first times that he or she is doing it, or he or she has not been trained in it, or he or she just, you know, doesn't exactly, hasn't been paying attention to the way other people do it and the way it's supposed to be done, whatever the case may be. But when I'm looking at an offer, that's one of those things that I'm looking at as well. I'm not just looking at the price point. I'm not just looking at, you know, how many closing costs are there uh, that they're asking for the seller to pay, how many, uh, you know, days is the inspection period, et cetera, et cetera. There are these little ways of reading in between the lines um, that an offer can be assessed, and it is assessed in that way. And so when you have a buyer's agent, you need to make sure your buyer's agent knows what he or she is doing. It really does make a difference. I am not the only realtor, as, as is obvious based on my story. Um, I'm not the only realtor. The listing agent I referenced before is not the only realtor that looks at more than just the offer. There is a lot that goes uh, into someone writing an offer. There's a ton of realtors out there right now. Um, and so because there are a ton of realtors out there, and because there are realtors, as I already mentioned before, that will that are so bad that they will actually derail a transaction, um, we as uh, listing agents have to assess the realtor as well. We have to we have to look at the at the realtor, um, what firm they're with, these different things. And that might not be the deciding factor, but it could be a tiebreaker. You know, you get, uh, if I get two offers that are equal and I've got one realtor that I that is very professional, has a good background, a good reputation, works for, works for a professional firm, and another realtor that, you know, the offer is exactly the same, uh, but... There's a lot of unprofessional aspects, comes from an office that I've had issues with in the past. You know, at the end of the day, I'm going to at least let my clients know that, my seller client know that. I feel like that is 
at least in terms of the transaction, a material fact. That's something I have to reveal. Hey, I've worked with these two parties, um, and they are uh, not not co-equals in terms of being professionals in real estate. Um, another thing that that uh, we run into is realtors giving a lot of background information, telling a lot of stories about their clients. There is a lot of debate over how much uh, storytelling should happen in a real estate transaction. And I tend to think that less is more, but there, but there's a fine line, right? So, you know, an example of storytelling that could backfire is, you know, let's say that, that you as a realtor are trying to portray that your buyer client is serious and she really wants to to move into this home. She is not just, you know, putting her toe in the water. She's not just, you know, trying to get a house under contract and then going to back out. She's really serious. And so you start giving some background information about how, you know, she's a single mom She's been, you know, uh, living with her friend for a while and, you know, it, it's, it's just been a tough time for her and she's ready to get her own house. She's desperate to move. She loves this house. This is the one for her. She's got to get this under contract. Um, you might have a realtor that, that presents an offer in that way. Um, and I would say that, that that's going to backfire a lot of the times because what happens is... So, you know, let's say that that a realtor presents an offer to me like that for a house that I have listed. I am going to go back to my client and just relay that information and let the chips fall where they may. A lot of clients, uh, seller clients in that situation will draw bad conclusions from that story. Um, They'll create a narrative that is the opposite of what the buyer's agent was trying to create. They'll come up with, they might come up with, for instance, an idea that, you know, oh, well, you know, this is a single mom. I mean, you know, is her job secure? I mean, what, you know, does she have a lot of stability? I mean, will she, you know, are we going to run into issues down the road with her being able to, you know, uh, actually afford the down payment? I mean, people will come up with, I'm not saying that that's the right thing, and I don't encourage my clients to come up with those narratives, but I promise you, they happen. And what happens is the narratives that people come up with are almost always negative because people come up with the narrative that they want to believe. And oftentimes, just is I think it's just human nature, when you're trying to buy or sell a home, you're distrustful of the of the other person. And having a narrative attached to that person, can you will basically if 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 you get more details on the person that you already distrust then you just take those details and you make them fit the narrative that you have and i've seen this happen so often I had a client recently that said um you know that i really needed to 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 tell their story to uh to the listing agent in order to get their offer accepted and, and I was like, first off, I was like, I, I know how to negotiate. I know how to get an offer accepted. I didn't say that because that would have come across the wrong way. But I was thinking that in my, in my mind. I've done this before. I know how to get an offer accepted. Um, but more I was thinking, 
man, the story that you're wanting me to tell that agent would completely, uh, most likely be distorted by possibly by that agent and probably by, by the sellers. And so um, I do give personal details, but I'm very careful, you know, if, if, if the personal details can help, but you have to be very careful. And I am very careful that um, those details can't be twisted. And um, at the end of the day, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to do. And that's why I say that less is more. Um, a lot of realtors give way too much information. And then you get, um, you know, sometimes clients that will write letters, buyer clients that will write letters to sellers saying, I really love this house. You know, this is my dream home. And um, again, those usually don't help. Um, if it's a great offer and if that letter from the buyer to the seller um, you know, doesn't scream of desperation. Um, I think it, it could work, um, all else being equal. Like, for instance, in a multiple offer situation, you know, if that offer is comparable to the other offers, but they make a, a very compelling case that they really want the house and it's a, and they have a lot of skin in the game, that could help. Um, but it could offer also backfire. I mean, you know, you've got situations where uh, some people might write letters that are have tons of, of grammar and spelling issues. Um, even with, you know, all the grammar and spell checks that we have, that's not uncommon. Um, that doesn't come across well. Um, again, you, you get a situation where, where someone starts creating the narrative. I get that letter from the buyer's agent. I'm going to pass that on to my seller. That's my responsibility. The seller can draw their own conclusions. If the letter has a ton of spelling and grammar errors, I'm sorry, but whether it's right or wrong, that seller is going to draw some conclusions about the buyer that aren't going to be positive. Um, and you've got a situation where, uh, where they, again, give too many details on their family um, and on their their personal situation, you know, they say we've we've made multiple offers on on multiple homes and and have been outbid on all of them, and we really, you know, this home at the end of the day is better than all of them. We really feel like this home was was put in our lap. Um, that type of thing. Well, then, you know, I've I've had situations where seller clients have been like. Uh, why have they had multiple offers rejected? Like, are they doing something wrong? Like, is there something that we're missing here? And then they start asking those types of questions. Um, and so again, we have to be very, uh, very careful, very cautious with, uh, with how we present an offer. Your offer presentation is extremely important. And at the end of the day, as is the case with the, the story I told earlier, Sometimes the offer presentation can make or break a deal. And sometimes the offer presentation is the uh, deciding factor between the seller accepting one offer versus another. And so it's very important. Keep that in mind. I, I know a lot of people that will just use a realtor as their buyer's agent because they think, you know, this is going to be straightforward. What, what could go wrong? There is a lot that could go wrong. Uh, don't just use a buyer's agent. 
uh, that's just a friend that you just want to help them out. You need to find someone that's professional, that will represent you, that knows how to fill out a contract uh, in a way that won't raise eyebrows, that won't, uh, you know, reveal too much information, that will paint a, a narrative in the seller's minds that will actually put you at a disadvantage. There's all sorts of things that could go wrong here. And on the flip side, all sorts of things that can go right. A lot of different presentation tactics. I'll probably record that in another podcast. Uh, but a lot of different things that a good buyer's agent can do in order to present an offer in the strongest way possible. Well, that's it for today's episode. If you need a buyer's agent to present an offer in the strongest way possible, I am your guy. My contact information is in the show notes. And until we talk again next week, I hope you guys stay safe and have a great time.